Are you a fan of the small ball? I'm not as dramatic, you know, as, as GM. Dramatic? You sound like my wife now. Jealous of all the inside analysis and crack on the football pod? Well, we've got you covered with the Hurling Pod. Subscribe to the Hurling Pod feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. We want to talk about the potential merger between the LGFA, the Camogie Association and the GA and I'm delighted to welcome Gary Brennan to the show. Um, Gary's written a very thoughtful, interesting, thought-provoking piece in The Examiner which we'll tweet a link to and you should check it out. Um, it's uh, it's just a very interesting perspective, Gary, that we thought today would be a good day, International Women's Day, to have a chat to you about. How are you getting on? I'm good, Jerry. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. So, um, people will know you as a, a Clare footballer and a hurler with Ballier. Uh but you're also married to a camogie player and had a first-hand view of the differences between the uh, difficulties um, that camogie players at inter-county level and footballers at inter-county level have. Yeah, that's right. Um, I didn't have to look too far for inspiration for that piece, I suppose, that you mentioned. Uh, my wife, Neve played camogie with Limerick, senior for, I could miss quote here, 15, if not 16 years, I think. Um she was playing since she was 15 years of age, I think, uh, and never officially retired, but uh, isn't isn't currently playing senior camogie with Limerick, to put it that way. Um, so I suppose I had a very clear insight into um, how our lifestyle is different. Um, and I often say that I didn't really train fully until uh, I met Neve. She showed me what preparation training is really about. So I suppose I, I could just see... Um, the the allowances or what we were afforded as as male players was so much things were so much easier for us than they were for our female counterparts and you know the piece I suppose wasn't me trying to say that what I do here in St. Planets or what we do in Clare is perfect or, or anything like that it was kind of a reflection piece for us all to maybe just take a, a, a step back and consider and think about what it's like to be on the other side of the fence, you know, um, and, and that was that was kind of the motivation for it. And, and as I say, it was very easy for me to see that just looking at, at, at Neve at home and, and how she used to repair and uh, I suppose what challenges she had to overcome compared to what, what I had to overcome. Can you give us some examples? Of, like, what was the most striking stuff as, as you would have gone along and kind of uh, it slowly dawns on you, oh, my life's a bit easier than this. I don't have to do all that. Yeah, yeah well, just from, from day to day, I suppose, like... Um, you know, if you took a, a typical training week, so if we had to do a gym session on a Monday, um, we probably had access or we we, we met at a couple of different slots at the, at the gym, the county gym that we had for Clare. Whereas for Neve's team, they were probably looking to try and book a one-hour slot. They had to be there at that particular time. They had to travel to do it. Um, you know, then training pitches, you know, on a Wednesday night, we had our dressing rooms, our pitch, everything laid on for us, whereas... Um, their team, they might have been waiting until the last minute to try and get a pitch. That pitch might have been pulled sometime in the afternoon and they have to go and find another pitch or maybe not even a pitch, maybe train somewhere on the, on the back of a pitch somewhere with very poor light, um, may not have dressing rooms, um, so no shower after training. Uh, you know, whereas we can have the shower, sit down, have a bit to eat, have a chat with the lads and head away. So even from that social side, I suppose, um, it's far easier for, for male players um, most of the time, and you know, I'm not saying that every 
every male uh, player has it really easy and every female player has it really tough. There are, there are challenges for both in different situations. But, you know, there, there are some of the examples. Meals after training, um, mileage rate. I mean, some of the mileage Neve would have been putting up in the car was, was mad. Um, and, and no expenses for it, you know, compared to male players getting 50 or sometimes 60 cents um, a mile. Um, you know, nutritional support, psychological support, things like that, that, you know, I think I would have seen for Neve's team for Limerick Camogie in, in later years, but not to the same extent that we would have had um, as male players. So it's just, uh, you know, gear, another thing. Um, you know, and and I, I actually think that the gear that we get as male players is far too much. I don't think we need half the gear. Uh, we're getting a, bag, a gear bag full of gear every year. There's just, there's just no need for it all. But, um, you know, a lot of the, the gear maybe that they would have gotten with Limerick Mogi, they might have had to do their own fundraising or um, go out and source themselves or, or things like that. So just, I suppose, where I was able to go and concentrate on my own playing and my own um, training for Neve and for many of our counterparts, they had a lot of other things to consider as well before they could even think about training and playing. Uh, obviously, the, the contrast there is, is striking when you compare the... Uh, experience that she's had as a Limerick Camogie player and say the experiences of the Limerick Hurlers over the last little while and how well resourced they have been that kind of makes the whole thing more striking I'd suspect Yeah I'd imagine so um, I suppose there's, there's possibly an argument that the Limerick Hurlers maybe are better resourced than a lot of other male counties too and, and that is a, something that happens amongst you know even if we have a merger here which we hopefully will have um that won't stop some teams being resourced better than others, you know, and that's, I suppose that's not um, what I'm striving for, what I'd like to see, but I would like to see a basic level, a minimum requirement for all teams, you know, male or female, um, because th- there's always going to be those imbalances or those differences between counties or some counties are going to apply a system that allows them to provide more resources for their teams or provide them in a different way. Um, and, and, and that's, that's not necessarily the worst thing, but um, I suppose just having a minimum standard for all players, be they male or female, um, and having the same opportunities to focus on playing and training is, is what I'd like to see. Um, you're a, a teacher in St. Flannans and, and you've worked with the girls teams there as well. So like, uh, there's, there's a generation coming through that hopefully won't experience what your wife experienced and that there's a generation of lads coming through who won't experience what you saw, which was some kind of, you know, you didn't have a sense of privilege about it, but you you were aware of the fact that it was privileged. And that's what needs to happen. But it really definitely, I know we we keep saying that, oh, this is actually happening already at, at um, club level and, and it's being driven by the clubs and it's being driven by the grassroots. But it does need the top of the organisation to say, right, we, we've caught up with you all and this is how it's going to be and this merger is happening here's how it's going to work and we have full equality now there's no ifs ands or buts about it yeah it needs a statement of intent you know and um, for all the for all the excellent work that is happening in in clubs around the country following a one club model and, and Neve's club actually would be would be one of those um, where all all teams participate under the same same code and same name, um, same colour, same name, and, and, and share resources. But um, it's a hand at Limerick. But uh, for all of that good work, th- there still are separate organisations. And if the GA wanted at any stage, they could make things more, you know, difficult for the Camogie teams or the ladies football teams in that club. So 
or in any of those clubs that are doing that. So I think it's important that just from a basic level, the structure is right to start with. Um, make it all the one organisation. You, you mentioned at school there, as part of the New Leaving Sir PE um, curriculum, we were just having a discussion with, um, as it so happens, my, my class of Leaving Sir is all boys, which is a rare thing now in, in St. Flannan's here, we're a mixed school. But I have 19 boys in the class. Um, and I suppose just trying to get them to see it from other people's perspective as well, from a female player's perspective. And things that, you know, I, I had a different perspective, but I'd ha I'd readily admit that I didn't always have a good insight into what it was like for a female player. So, um, and I know Joanna Reardon wrote an excellent piece and spoke well, very well last year, but it shouldn't take for males um, to have an insight into female sport for them to start speaking up. But, you know, unfortunately, I maybe wasn't as aware as I should have been beforehand, but, but now I am, and I suppose I'd like to try and contribute to the discussion some bit. Um, and if I can make some male players more aware of what it's like for a female player, well, then maybe that will help progress the discussion and, and help uh, bring some somewhat more balance to it. Um, and I think that's important that we're teaching guys and girls that at 14, 15, 16, um, and younger even, uh, rather than waiting until they're adults and maybe they have a bit more insight. Um, so, you know, I would just like to see a case where an, an eight or nine-year-old goes down to the club or six or seven, what age, whatever age they're starting now, and they are all part of the one body rather than immediately being separated into, well, that's the Camogie group over there, that's the that's the, the hurling team over there. But, um, they are all one club and, and one unit and working together, um, I suppose, in one direction. Yeah, because it, it can only lead to a, a, a flowering of the organisation in a multitude of different ways. Like, it's it's actually quite exciting yeah. when you think about what the end of this process is going to be but there's a big clearly... time I mean if you talk sharing the sharing of resources that could happen and I mean if, if you even look at um, the efficiency of use of resources like uh, if you looked at for example in Clare here the Clare men's footballers the hurlers the ladies footballers and the Camogie team they're probably all for example employing a different strength and conditioning coach employing different physios potentially different nutritionists I mean, there's huge opportunity there for centralizing that, having a core team who's responsible for the uh, performance of all the inter-county teams in the county. And, you know, maybe having different layers within that or different groups within that that would work with the individual teams. But um, I just think it could be far more efficient and, and work far better for, for everyone, not just for um, ladies football or Camogie. And then you can see that being a resource that clubs can tap into as as exactly. and when it becomes appropriate. So um, what do you actually think is the main barrier to this? Because everybody is making the right noises and yet I'm not quite sure what the, the roadmap is for it to happen. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I don't I don't really know the answer to that question. Um, sure, to be honest with you, I, I know that I did have a conversation with um, Egon O'Farrell when he was president of the GA and we're on the international rules tour and um, at the time he told me that this was the one thing he would like to have achieved most more than anything that was back in 2017 I think before he left office um, so I know it's something that I suppose has been wanted from different quarters at different stages maybe there's been some hesitancy from some of the um, some of the female organisations in that they maybe feel they haven't that their rights and that their um the deal mightn't work out to their to their benefit, you know, and that's an understandable concern. I think it's important that if we are looking at a merger, that it's a very clear uh, discussion that 
we look at how this will work best for everyone, you know. Um, so th there's probably been a bit of hesitancy and a bit of concern there, but I think it's it's striking that the ladies football have um, they passed the motion at the weekend that, uh, that the GPA had put forward or uh, a similar motion, sorry, for the GPA when they, they I think edited the Galway motion that had been proposed. Uh, so it reflected the same wording as, as the GPA motion to GA Congress. So, and, and the Camogie Association have uh, publicly committed that they will back it as well. So I think now we're starting to see um, more alignment in the thinking, you know, and, and I think that that motion is, is a commitment to prioritise it. So this was like, I'd be watching with interest to see what, what that means and, and what that uh, leads to. But at the very least, there's a commitment now from all... Um, from all codes and all organisations to start working on this and see what it might look like uh, for everyone going forward. Uh, we're, we're very wedded to symbols and stuff and tradition in Ireland and sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. Um, the name seems to be something that might be up for grabs. Is that, a, is that important or not? I, I, can't, I, I can't decide if, like, if the new organisation is going to be something which has a different name. It doesn't feel like it really matters but it might for, for a lot of people. Yeah, um, I'm probably the wrong person to ask there because I, I'd just be like, look, if it is a new name, it is a new name. Um, <laughs> what about it? You know, if it, if it means a better future for everyone, then a new name, so be it. But um, that that may be more important to some other people. So um, again, that's something that would have to be included in the conversation and uh, just see, I suppose, how much of a how much of a barrier is it going to be if if, if a name is stopping. The combination of all three organisations, I think we're in trouble. Uh, I think it'll be very, very hard to iron out the other issues that will arise as this happens. Um, because, you know, this this will be, this won't happen overnight and won't happen uh, quickly. There'll be plenty of complications along the way, I'm sure. But I would certainly hope that a name wouldn't be top of that list. Carrie, when, when you're um, speaking like this and, th and thinking about this, th does any of your own experience come into it? And, and I mean that in the sense of being uh, a footballer in what would traditionally be seen as a hurling county. Was there uh, challenges that you guys had to overcome to get to a level where you were trying to look at the last date consistently in, in whatever it was, the, the 2014, 2015, 2016 direction? Just lost the middle of your question there, Owen, but I think um, if I took it right, it's just that... Uh, to compare how my experiences maybe and trying to strive for better yeah might compare to the, I suppose the female players I'm not sure if that was exactly what you said but I, I'd be yeah, hesitant yeah. to particularly as a yeah, footballer in, a, in, in Clare you know yeah yeah and, and I won't lie that that thought crossed my mind I suppose that we were often the the poor relation um, in the county or seen as the poor relation I should say uh, compared to the hurlers but you know I, I'd hesitate even to say that because it's it's completely unfair for me to compare what it was like for me as a male Gaelic footballer uh, to what it is like for a female player because even though we may not have gotten everything that the hurlers got at times or you know we mightn't get the same support it's still um, a different world completely to what it's like for a female player so look maybe that would have given me some small bit of insight but I, I don't think it's anything compared to what female players are dealing with um, day to day yeah, we, we like there will be misogyny that we need to talk about and counteract uh, as this change happens. There will be dinosaurs and clubs who will refuse to give the main pitch to the women's teams because they've never had it before. And that's the that that is maybe an unspoken part of this is that like we, we can't 
tolerate those attitudes anymore. We've kind of probably turned a blind eye to it in the past. And when the stories come out from the women's teams, everybody is shocked at the stories, but then nothing actually happens in the aftermath of that. What we're saying is it's going to be codified that there's equality when the when the senior team needs the main pitch, the senior team gets the main pitch, not the under-14 boys team over the women's team the way it would be at the moment. And I'm not sure that every everybody around the country is just ready for that yet. And I mean, tough shit, really. But they're the stories that we have to listen, uh, take on board, and then move past. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. Um, that's the day-to-day barrier like that will be struck. And, um, you know, as I say, I, I'm not claiming to be perfect. Like, um, this happens in clubs up and down the, the, the country all the time. And uh, even in our own club last year, I was coaching a, an under-15 team. And the senior promoter team were, were due to come on the pitch after us. Now, uh, I think the senior promoter team thought I was trying to take over the pitch at the time, but I was very much intending to be finished in time for their session. And, but there's there's that immediate kind of fear that, or that, that because it's happened before, well, the pitch is going to be taken on us or, you know, um, we're supposed to have this pitch and we're not getting it when we should. So th- there just needs to be clear communication and clear... Um, I suppose it's going to take direction and it's going to take good leadership at the top of each club. But also that, you know, all bodies recognise that that's it. if the senior camogie team are due to train and the senior camogie team are committing and are bringing numbers to training, uh, that they deserve to have the pitch as good as the senior hurling team would or the senior football team would, you know. Um, and it's just, it's, it's as you say, it's going to take a change in attitude. It's going to take a change in in thinking for people which won't happen quickly but um, I've seen it in Eve's club in a hand there where you know they, they still might not always have the, the top pitch or the main pitch but they've won a county championship since the, the men have won a county championship and they, they got fantastic support in the club you know and um, a lot of the male players were there supporting them on the day and throughout the process so I think it's as, as things like that happened um, I think more and more clubs will start to buy in and more and more people will start to see the benefit of it and, and follow that lead justice. Yeah, it'll be transformative. I mean, that's the, the, as I said, at the end of this process, something magical is going to happen where you have one of the most important cultural and grassroots organisations in the country recognising the power to be an agent of change. Um, I, I do want to briefly uh, ask you to put on your hurling and football hats at the moment. Do you consider yourself a hurler or a footballer now, considering the late flowering of your career as a club hurler is um, what a lot of people would know you as for the last couple of years? Yeah, I'm very much uh, a football man um, still. Yeah, no, it's, uh, my home club is actually hurling uh, in Ballier, so I've played hurling all the way up along, but I suppose we only really saw success in the last uh, seven or eight years at senior level. So, um, no, I'm still very much a football man. I'm involved in football here in the school. And um, at the moment, I actually haven't even gone back club hurling this year. I'm just club football at the moment. Um, We had a a little baby boy just over three months ago, so uh, he's keeping us busy at the moment. So... uh, so, so hurling will go on the back burner before football will go on the back burner. Okay, fair enough. That's, that, that is um, a definite identifier. Um, Tommy was telling us we need to ask you about Shane Meehan, who is also a, a dual star. Uh, he's um, flying for the hurlers, but captain the minor footballer, still only 19, so um, already getting rave reviews. Where's he going to end yeah, up, do you think? Uh, um, Shane looks at just lost you there for a second again, George. Sorry, but Shane, Shane is a class act. Um, 
and I, suppose I, I saw him first playing with the Clare minor footballers, as you say. Um, and just, and you're looking for, you're looking to go to a match and you're looking, to, you want to see the most exciting players. You want to see the the main, the skills of the game being, being displayed. We've just lost the line to St. Flannan's there this morning. But sure, look, we were nearly finished anyway. So we'll say thanks very much to Gary Brennan for his contribution this morning. You should read that piece in The Examiner. Um, it's definitely thought-provoking. And, like, really, the merger just needs to happen. They need to tell everybody what they're going to do, have some consultations about what the outcomes need to be, and then get on with it and say, here's how we're going to audit as it goes along. Here's how we're going to make sure that it's successful. Here's a hotline for anybody who wants to report. Hmm. Uh, misogynistic dinosaurs and it shouldn't be that hard and it as a result of that it should be something that is noticeable in its change very quickly and uh, not necessarily overnight but pretty close to it like I mean some of these it, it, when, when you're talking about things that involve common sense but that can also make a big difference the change can happen very very quickly even though it feels like that there's a lot of a lot of uh, hoops to jump through it kind of feels as if that suits the the old narrative that this thing is complicated. Yeah, I mean, I hold no candle for any of the politicians who've ever been in charge of the departments of sport, but uh, reminding everybody about the rules that are in place to get government funding and uh, in in terms of female representation throughout your organisation, not just the tokenistic stuff that you can do at board level. Uh, stop the funding. Stop the funding for the IRFU. Stop the funding for the FAI. Stop the funding for the GAA until they get their houses in order when it comes to proper integration and pushing women's sport forward. That's the... And in fairness to them, they say they're going to do that. Yeah. So time to put up or shut up for everybody. Yeah, and I, like I don't see why they wouldn't do that. Like if you're like if you're being an unbelievable cynic about it as well. Like, I mean, it doesn't make any sense politically for them to not do that. Like, I mean, uh, they want to be the face of uh, a positive news story and this is going to lead to far more positive reflections on Irish sport you'd like to think over the next little while yeah again potentially transformative for all of these organisations OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar